Indispensable is a podcast focused on hearing about the business truths, tools, and tips others can't do without. After interviewing hundreds of people for their LinkedIn profiles and talking with thousands of people looking to use professional platforms more strategically, I've had the pleasure of meeting and getting to know people that lead, create, and engage within their companies and in their communities with great intention, abundance, focus, and sheer grit. I want to share their stories so that you can gain insight from a variety of people, not just the podcast and tech rock stars that have become household names. Rather, let's focus on the people whose stories influence those around them, and maybe even you. Everyone has indispensable truths, tools, and tips, even if they haven't realized it yet. And while this podcast isn't about LinkedIn and how to use it, it may weave its way in from time to time. It is, after all, our favorite platform for networking and doing business. Come, join us, and get to know some of my colleagues, clients, friends, and neighbors. Welcome to Indispensable, business truths, tips, and tools you can't do without. Today, I'm so excited to have Vern Oakley join us. Vern is the CEO of Tribe Pictures and the author of Leadership in Focus, Bringing Out Your Best on Camera. And I know that you're going to take away some really great nuggets from today, so I'm excited to get started. Vern, it's great to have you with us. Colleen, it's so great to be talking to you. It's always so energizing. Well, good, good. And I think we will have a really great conversation here today. So first, would you share with all of us how you define your role? Um, You have a pretty creative role. So tell us a little bit about what you do. Well, for better or worse, I am a very right brain, left brain person. And I am the CEO of Tribe Pictures, which is a video production agency with offices in New Jersey and New York. I'm also the chief creative officer, but because of the size of our company, we're about 10 people, I do a lot of COO work. So I um, bridge the gap between, you know, business communications um, for our clients, which are the Fortune 500, and how they tell their stories to their employees and their investors and their um, potential employees and executive communication. So I'm in the world of business Um, both in my company and with our clients, Um, and I'm in the world of art, both with my company and my clients. And I read on your website, and I I love this, you've been called a business artist, right? Yes, my uh, great client, Kathy, who I worked with at three different companies, um, called me that, described me that, and I, I, I loved it, and I have gracefully used it. Right. It's kind of the combination of left and right brained all put together to tell great stories and have results behind it. Yes, absolutely. So there was um, a stat that popped out at me. I was watching one of your um, YouTube videos. And by the way, check out Vern's YouTube videos. Um, 84% of all internet traffic by 2020 will be video. You know, it's an incredible stat, and, you know, the stat that kind of follows that, and you can kind of understand how much we've become a a video uh, society, is that 15% of all internet traffic currently is Netflix. 
So we're excited and love to watch video, um, whether that be on Amazon Prime or Netflix or television or Vimeo or YouTube. Um, and we're watching it all kinds of screens, our, our, our phones, um, in cars, you know, all kinds of places. And how do you think that this is going to really roll out into the business world? Well, the business world has been slow in adopting the kind of traditional storytelling um, techniques of using story, having characters, having things that are well-crafted. Um, and so they're beginning to embrace that. So when, when I, you know, I've worked in, you know, feature films and I've worked in documentaries and I've worked in television, there's never a question that we're making a story and it's what kind of story. In business films, you know, the word story is just sort of, you know, pierced the uh, bubble in the last five years. And so they're thinking, well, story is a great thing to do. And I'm going, well, it's not just story. It's how do you tell a story and what makes a business story different than a regular story and what makes a business video different than a Hollywood film or a Netflix series. So a lot of nuance in all of that. Right. And and so was part of the um, sort of hesitance the idea maybe that story meant that somebody was putting their own spin on it? Like it, it it's a combination of things. I mean, I, I believe that when you're in the business world, you know, hopefully your company has a, a, a really great strategy um, and hopefully has a really great purpose. And so some storytellers who moved, you know, from you know, the more traditional um, Hollywood landscape or television landscape and have come into business films are not always successful because they're trying to tell a great and important story to reach as many people as possible. But in business films, you're really trying to tell a strategic story that moves a strategy forward. So you're trying to make a specific point about what the culture's like or what it's like to be at the company or how what traits you value. And it's not just the story. It has to know stream out into how you compensate people which people get promoted and so you know there's a truth within any organization or within any tribe that's why my company's called tribe pictures you know that um you have to live by that truth and you have to communicate that truth and you can communicate that truth in a lot of different ways but i believe uh filmmaking Video storytelling is the most powerful way to do that. Right. And one of the things that you talk about, and I want to know how you found time to write the book, but before we get to that, um, I loved how you talk about perception can make or break your organization. Right. I mean, if, if you think about your your company, you know, it has a story. It has a story internally. It has a story externally. In a lot of ways, story is brand. It's what people think about you. It's what people think about your product. It's what people, um, you know, are they excited to be associated with it or do they want to distance themselves from you? Um, so if you understand that, what you're trying to do is connect people and engage people in an authentic and real way. So perception, you know, we all have perceptions about which companies we like, which pepper companies we don't. And those perceptions actually have to meet the reality or we're in for a shock as a consumer. 
we, we start to find out that, you know, this company doesn't live up to its promise that it's told us about. This company has failed this, this company, or this company has gone way beyond. And so the perception has to line up with the authentic behaviors for us to really embrace a brand. And I heard that you, um, I heard you speak about like new authenticity. You know, what I call is, you know, the new authenticity is that, you know, we, we've changed, you know, at the turn of the century, we started moving from a very hierarchical command and control sense of leadership, exemplified a lot by the military, for example, to a, a more uh, servant leadership or to the kind of leadership where there, there's a sort of social uh, force to, you know, make us um, um, help our customers and interact with them in a different way. So we, we want authentic leaders, and, and this has come through the changes in, you know, parenting, the changes in social media, the, the evolution of society, you know, evolution of consciousness. Now what you start to realize is this craving for authenticity that's out there. But the majority of people will not meet all the leaders or even their friends in person. So the new authenticity or the new new authenticity is the ability to communicate uh, that authenticity over, um, you know, or with cameras. You know, I like to say, you know, video records two to 24 frames a second. Mm, I love that. That's great. And so you've worked with a lot of leaders and CEOs of very large organizations who, who may not be naturally embracing the idea of video. And is that why you wrote the book? You know, I wrote the book because of that exact reason, but I also wrote it because it was my own personal journey. You know, I have been trying to become more authentic and more real and own, you know, you know, my good parts and my bad parts and, and sort of embrace them and share my, you know, own vulnerability. You know, I really like the work of Brene Brown um, around that. And so, you know, I came in, inspired that I didn't have to control everything, that I didn't have to have a mask of perfection on. And as I started to think about my journey on um, that path, um, and my work with leaders on camera, I wanted to combine those sort of two interests because these leaders today, you know, may have highly dispersed workforces that are global. And if they want to connect with those people and inspire those people around their mission and their purpose and their values, um, they have to authentically communicate on camera because that's probably the way people are going to see them. And if they don't, the people not, may not believe what they're saying, may not follow them. Right. And so how do you see, like, can you think of an example of a CEO who does this really well on camera, creates this new authenticity and really um, has kind of, you've watched their journey emerge as a leader through video? Well, I love Richard Bramson. And, and Virgin, and, you know, you can say that, you know, Virgin, you know, whether it started with music and went into airlines and, you know, it just has that Richard Bramson vibe and he, he's out there and he just feels, you know, as real as the day is long to me. 
You have uh, a CEO like Mark Benioff at uh, Salesforce, who is really moving forward the way companies interact with people. Um, so there are a number of people out there. And so tell us a little bit about the secrets, the part of the book, and I've read the book. I, I think I devoured the book in less than a week. I was just like, wow, it flows so beautifully. And you're like, okay, I, I need to get through the next chapter because there's so much in there. But you talk about some of the secrets and some of the mistakes that people typically make. And you talk about it from like even being able to read a teleprompter. So share with us some of those secrets that you uncovered. Sure. I think the biggest secret is that it's a skill. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that the biggest deception is because we're all walking around with these portable movie studios in our uh, pockets, which are, you know, iPhones. Um, we think that, Oh, well, because, you know, I had a great, social media post or because I'm so authentic on camera when I'm clowning around with my family that that translates into be authentic in business communications and it may or may not. So it's a skill that's practiced like public speaking and that what's different about it is there's a performance level in public speaking um, that is certainly helpful as you go on camera, but what people really want to see on camera is who is that person? And do I trust that person? And that our instincts, when the red light of the video camera goes on, is to um, fall back into what position of power you're in. Oh, I'm a CEO. I have to be important. Um, or I'm demonstrating a new product. I have to sell this. And that those things are true but that's not what has to come through. It's because long after people forget what you said, they'll forget how you made, they won't forget how you made them feel. And if you want to connect with people and how they feel, you have to reveal parts of yourself. Mm. And how do you measure that, right? How, how do, does somebody finish up being on camera? You create this beautiful piece. It might be, 45 seconds, it might be three minutes, it goes out into the world. How does that CEO say, wow, that was a huge success? Well, you know, you actually can measure it scientifically by cortisol levels within, you know, because you can measure whether you're feeling things or not, but um, it has to do with what you're defining success as. Okay. Um, so, you know, did people, you know, if it's a CEO making an announcement to the employees, the last times corporate communicators are doing surveys, they can say, uh, see if they watched it and whether they believed it, whether they enrolled in the program or whether they um, are, are following in the direction where the CEO is pointing. I think there's uh, social media engagement is another way to measure it. Um, and, and I think you got to also measure it by your gut, you know, and as long as, you know, CEOs don't have that thing I talk about in the book as CEO disease where, you know, they think they're, you know, God's gift to the business world and they don't hear, you know, people telling them or advising them or even open the door to have a serious discussion about how they came across on camera. Um, you know, the people that are, are really humanistic that, that want to get better, that understand that there are certain pressures they have as leaders, 
but they still have to interact and care with people. Um, and they have to be able to do that on camera when they discover, you know, they're, they need that trusted group of advisors that really can talk to them and share with them. Hey, that wasn't such a great video performance. Um, Hey, I really think we ought to spend more time um, because you're communicating more in video so that you can learn how to do it better. Um, you need those kind of real honest, um, people that, you know, are supportive and loving critics for you. Right. So when you have a leader in front of you that you're, and you've crafted the story that you're going to tell and you're in production, right? You're filming mm -hmm. and you see that it's not going so well and maybe that person's not prepared or they're just a little off their game that day. What do you do? Well, I think the most important thing that, that I have to do as a director is I, it's, I have to be able to speak truth to power mm -hmm. and I have to have my, listen to my own quiet voice. So when I'm directing, you know, I can get caught up in the lights. I can get caught up in the egos. I can get caught up in the pressure that's around there, but I have to come internally into my own quiet, still voice that speaks truth to me and say, this is working or this is not working. And if I discover that it's not working, then I may take a break. I, uh, there's a lot of um, experience and human psychology involved. You know, my, my goal is with loving kindness to make the person in front of me or not make them, allow them to be who they really are and their most full and brilliant version of themselves. And, I, and part of what I try to craft is an environment where they can, they can do that. Because for most people, they're not going to go on camera that, that often unless you're you know, the CEO uh, who's constantly doing it. And so this is this opportunity for me to support them in their humanness. And um, there's some interesting scientific research that talks about mere neurons, and so what happens is that if I can sort of work, if I am holding an open space for these people and an open heart for these people to really express who they are, you can just see a, a switch flip and they can start to really express themselves. And that my goal, unlike, you know, when I was directing television features where I help people to really embrace the mask, my goal in those moments with real people is to help them take off the mask. Oh, that's so fascinating. So it's completely the opposite, what you're trying to bring out in someone. Absolutely. And, and it's vulnerable. That's, the, that's why it's so hard is because, you know, we feel that we need to protect ourselves. And, and that's, you know, the primitive brain at work. And the primitive brain is awfully darn strong, as we all know, when we try to resist that second potato chip. <laughs> right. I find that very difficult to do. <laughs> so tell, tell us a little bit about how you've seen the industry change. So storytelling in the B2B environment is sort of coming of age, right? And, and people are embracing it. And yet, on the video side, it's, you know, once again, you said a movie studio in your pocket, right? So 
how how do you see the industry changing as a result of those two things, either overlapping or diverging? Well, I think what's happening is when the tools were expensive um, or far more expensive than they are today, um, there there was a almost an apprenticeship and a craftsman skill that you had to learn over time. Um, when the tools got cheaper, um, there was a lot more winging it. Um, and so I think what's really happened is that we now have a very high quality uh, uh, cameras built into our phones. We have the transmission capabilities to send high quality videos uh, uh, wirelessly and see them almost any time. So it, it's creating this opportunity for networks to emerge. Um, you know, you can just see all the different kinds of channels that are on YouTube when you think about that. Um, and it's broadened the range of kinds of the kinds of videos that are made. So you have, you know, the high end in terms of the commercial space, you have Super Bowl commercials or something like that. The low end, you have people, you know, you know, a CEO saying to their communications director, hey, I want you to shoot me on your iPhone. I don't want to bring a film crew in. So you're kind of going from A to Z. And previously, I think there was a lot more, you know, let's say, M being medium expensive to uh, Z being very expensive that was going on. But now there's there's a wider range. The, the ability to do stuff has been stretched across, you know, um, all budget levels. So the question then becomes is like, does the person really know how to tell a story? Does the person really know how to um, communicate a, a business idea? Does the person that's making these uh, videos really um, have your interest and your strategy, um, you know, embraced in, in a way that makes them tell the right story, not just a good story. Mm-hmm. So, and, and really the whole nuance, right? The, um, to once again, unmask them, right? That's a, you know, the person on the other side of the iPhone may not have many of the other skills that you just have, you know, access to naturally because you've been doing it so long. Well, listen, I, I think, you know, if you, it seems like there's a lot of, you know, bell curve stuff going on. I mean, you know, there's, you know, 1% or 2% or 3% of the feature films that, you know, make over a billion dollars, you know, and then um, you have some that, you know, make less and you have some that make no money and lose money. Um, you know, I think the same is true in business films. You have some that are just so special, you know, and you kind of, people share them. And, you know, a lot of the work that we do becomes viral, not viral in the sense of a YouTube video with a billion views, but viral in the sense that one employee shares with another employee or one employee shares it with a friend that's maybe looking for a job because they feel proud of that, uh, about the, the way their company's presented and somebody really got us and understood us and, you know, um, expressed our heart and soul. So it's so much of what, you know, the people that are on the other side of the camera need to understand is it's not just making a good video with great pictures and great music. It's making a video that tells a story that is purposeful, that has meaning to the people in the audience that is supposed to be made for, and that achieves a strategic business objective. 
I like to say in the business world, at least nobody needs a video. What they need is a solution to communications problem. Mm. And lots of people don't approach it that way. We've been brought in four times in the last year to save projects that were misdirected, misguided, or just missed the mark. And most of your clients, from my understanding, you have some very large companies. So you're coming in maybe through HR or marketing, typically. Is that correct? Sure. We come through um, a couple of different um, ways. We come in sometimes through the internal communications department, sometimes through marketing, sometimes through HR, sometimes through investor relations, um, sometimes through um, somebody who has you know, the title brand, you know, chief branding officer, um, or sometimes the CEO realizes they need to change something up um, because they just aren't connecting with, you know, their employees. And so when, so when you think about a project, are there any projects that come to mind that you've worked on where um, they took off and they, they went viral as you described where people really began to share them that was surprising to you? Yes. We um, worked with an oil company, Hess Oil and Hess is a family business. It was started by Leon Hess. We just did the 85th anniversary video. Um, And it was taken over by his son, John Hess. Um, And that, you know, the oil business has a pretty poor reputation uh, because of environmental issues and because of the disaster in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, But Hess felt that it really did things differently and that had a strong set of values and they wanted to make sure that the people that worked for their company understood their values and how important they were. So they actually invested in making films around that. We helped them with those films. They had six values and we illustrated each value with a story about an employee. And one of the things that we decided on with the chief communication officer at that time is that Hess didn't want to say great things about itself. Hess wanted the clients and their customers to say, you know, honest things about them. So they were not bragging. They were actually just sort of saying that. And what happened with those videos, which were so popular um, in the internal space, is that people said, we want people outside the company to see them. So what started as an internal initiative became an external initiative, and then it was used in marketing, and and then it was used to make the company-wide video. Um, um, So... Once you tell a true, authentic story that people love, there are so many uses because people want to share that. People want to share their their brilliance and their light and their positive um, workplace. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting about that is I, um, you know, we everybody talks, and I spend a lot of time talking with people about sharing content, right? And so. I love how you articulate the difference between the mechanism of sharing the content. So pushing the button to share the content and why you actually want to share the content, which is to share with somebody else, the feeling you felt when you watched it originally. You know, that that's really important for people to understand. It's like when I share um, a video with my kids, it's like, it's not just that I'm sharing this video. I'm trying to share the feeling or the enlightenment or the whack upside the head or the big laugh that I got. 
So it, it makes me feel closer to somebody when I share, you know, hey, this touched me. I, I want to share something that might touch you. It's not that I'm sharing a, a PowerPoint presentation or a you know, PDF. I'm sharing an emotion. Right. Right. And I think sometimes if people thought about that and, and thought about it in that light, they would um, probably engage more. I think that they would be more comfortable. I think everybody's really um, sometimes gets stuck and immobilized by, oh, I might make a mistake if I share this incorrectly. I'm like, everybody at some point shares something incorrectly. But the more important part, which is conveying that feeling and actually sharing that with another person, that's the value. That's we over we can overlook a little typo in the introduction if um you know we also feel what somebody else felt absolutely it's the emotions um are what really connect us yeah and how do you see companies as um this storytelling and branding come together do you think that large companies will because I know that's really the space that you work in, will find new and even more engaging ways to create video and get more comfortable with it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, as recently as five years ago, I'd say 50% of the Fortune 500 didn't have internal video studios. Now I believe almost every company in the Fortune 500 has an internal video studio. So they're becoming more and more comfortable with it. And what, I think this is so telling uh, about, you know, video in our times is the top 25 film schools in the United States. There isn't a single one of those film schools that has a course um, about business storytelling on video. Wow. None. So what you start to realize is that we are all taking the, the storytelling lessons from other media. And I got to tell you, you know, um, I think this is the weekend that, you know, the Avengers, you know, and the movie comes out. And that Hollywood storytelling is very, very different than the three-minute corporate video. It contains similar elements, um, but it is different, and it's different in purpose, and it's different in kind, because it may not be the three-act traditional Hollywood structure. So what's happening is there's going to be an opportunity in, for education around this. There's going to be uh, tremendous learning around this, um, and, and that's going to be happening so quickly in the next three to five years. You're going to see more and more YouTube videos and more and more people like myself uh, emerging uh, as experts. I mean, there wasn't a single book in the market about how to put leaders, CEOs on camera to be authentic when my book came out. It's now uh, almost two years later, there still isn't a, a second book. Isn't Zero. that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah, it, it was, I was rushing to get that thing written because I thought this was such a unique space. And then I figured as soon as it get written, other people would be coming along and, 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 and trying to occupy it. But no, none. And so when somebody engages with you and they talk, talk to you like, okay, we want to do a video. Where do you, where do you start them? Because it's I, to me, I feel like it's a little bit like hurting some cats. Yeah, I, I, I like to say, well, 
it goes back to that thing, nobody needs a video, people need a solution to communication problems. So what's the pain that you're having? Okay, well, the pain may be, you know, uh, the workforce, because the low unemployment rate has become incredibly competitive, and our um, competitors are, are telling a better story about why they should work for our company, but our company happens to be better. Okay, well, that has nothing to do with a video, that has to do with a business problem. Mm-hmm. So then you start to go, okay, well, how can I connect with these potential recruits um, to interest them in your company? And by the way, do you want people that are fresh out of college? Oh, no, no, no. We, we have, we spend so much on training. We don't really want them. Oh, we want experienced hires. What's the definition of experienced hire? Oh, there's somebody who maybe worked for a company and left and worked for a competitor. We'd like to get them back so they remember how good it was over here. Or we'd like to steal some employees from our competitors. Or we'd like somebody who's transitioning out of, of a parallel industry. Oh, so we need to make a video for experienced hires. Well, experienced hires, I bet you they're not going to you know, um, listen to anything that's fluffery or vague promises, right? Oh, I bet you they're going to want to hear the real deal. Oh, that's a great title for a series. What's a series of videos going to be like if it's the real deal? Oh, well, we got to get people who came back, who, who left and came back. Why did they leave and came back? We have to have people that almost quit. Um, and why did they almost quit and why did they decide to stay? So we'd have to do that research. And then we do that research and maybe we, you know, on this project, which I'm talking about for KPMG, we interviewed 45 people only found 11 that we wanted to make stories about. So it starts with really what I say is like when you go to a doctor, the very best doctors are the ones who can really do the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Because once you figure out what the problem is, there's a lot of people who can treat the problem where the peril would be. There's a lot of people who can make a good video if you tell them what good video to make. So we like to start with diagnosing the right problem and solving the right problem and putting the creative around it so that we actually move the needle for our clients. Wow, I bet they really appreciate that because they um, that may not have been the way they've experienced creating video before. You know, there are some really good people making good video out there um, and it's a collaborative effort and what you find is there has to be somebody on the team who understands this diagnosis aspect and if you can't do that internally and I do say it's very hard to read the you know label when you're inside the jar so (laughs) it's it's helpful to have somebody who's outside whether it's us or a branding firm or another consultancy to to figure out what the the issues are and what the opportunities are and what the key messages that really speak to people are and if you have that person in your team and then you have somebody who understands how to make business films in an artistic way you can come up with something that's pretty pretty successful and there's becoming more and more of those people who can marry that set of skills out there so i believe that video is getting better and better and that's the good news because there are currently so much boring corporate video Mm -hmm. out there that i just yawn at and i go like it's okay if I kind of like it, but I have to say there's so much of it out there that just dings your brand. Mm-hmm. You know, you are you know, an incredible company and then you see a piece of substandard video out there and, and people kind of scratch their head and goes, you know, I thought that company was a quality company. Why would they put out a, a piece of video like that? 
it doesn't make you feel good about the company. Right, exactly. And especially as you talked about around hiring and recruiting, you know, it's so difficult. There's not a company that I talk with, a CEO I talk with, where it's like, what do you need? People. Okay, well, you're the face of the organization. You, they need to know who you are. They need to know what you stand for, what you believe in. They want to know who they're working for. And sometimes I see them cringe, but, you know, that can get captured on video. I think that becomes, helps them stand out in this huge fight for talent. Absolutely. And one of the things I'm excited about is, you know, Simon Sinek came out with Start With Why, and it became right. a huge viral, you know, uh, TED Talk. And so I believe more and more companies are really trying to get to the core of, you know, their purpose and their purpose isn't just making this widget, their purpose be, be making this part that actually saves lives because it relates to a safety feature within a company. So, you know, our purpose is helping, you know, the automotive industry save lives. Well, that's a lot nicer to go to work to at that company than to make the widget. Right. And when you start to talk about that and you start to recruit people around that, you know, the good, there's good news and bad news about this. Gallup just came out with a poll, the poll in, in 2018. And the bad news is that it's 64% of employees are disengaged. Mm-hmm. Well, the good news is 30, it's 36% or 34% are engaged and that's going up. And I believe it's partly because we're talking about purpose now. We are more connected around our society and the interconnections and video is playing a big role in all that. Right. And I think that people also look at their organizations as a collection of people, a tribe, a community, and are building their work environments and their purpose around that piece as well. And so I think it all kind of all comes together. And when you have everybody focused on a mission and everybody focused around a company that has a purpose, you you can become unstoppable. It's really how you have to compete. It's, it's increasingly apparent to me being the right brain, left brain person that I am is that this soft stuff is the hardest stuff. (laughs) Well, and we, read about that all the time, right? There's not a day that goes by that I don't have an article somewhere in my one of my feeds about these soft skills and emotional IQ. And so people are paying attention to that. And certainly the younger the workforce, this is what they're tied into. And we have to meet them where they are too. Yeah. And thank goodness for the millennials for raising this, making it important. You know, I'd like to think we're all millennials. Right. In that regard, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So share with us a career highlight. You've had a really fascinating career. You've worked on with very, very creative people your entire life. You are very creative. Like, highlight? You know, there's, wow, so many highlights. Um, uh, I would say that, you know, I think if there's any filmmakers listening to that, you know, for so many of us, you know, we have that desire to tell that one long feature story, whether it be a doc or a dramatic feature. I got that opportunity. I made a feature film called The Modern Affair. We had five Tony winners in the cast. 
We launched wow. the career of Stanley Tucci and it was like running a marathon. There were moments when you know I had to put my house up to, to get it finished because my funder withdrew the funding uh, 10 days before we started shooting. And the kind of mm. commitments that it takes to, to do that and the lessons that I learned have set me on a, um, a really great path because I understand what it takes to t- fully commit to a project, a creative project, and actually get it across the finish line. Um, and I'm very proud to say that, you know, it's still in circulation. I made it over 20 years ago, but it's on YouTube. and has, I think, last time I checked, 1.7 million views. And, wow. and the the reading the viewers' comments about how it touched them, how it's moved them, how it's really made them think about intimacy and relationships is so powerful. And of course, there's the the haters out there, but there's so much of a minority in terms of the comment section. So head to YouTube and watch A Modern Affair. It's a good romantic drama. Okay, that sounds like something to do on the weekend. That sounds like a good plan. So considering our podcast is called Indispensable, share some, we've talked a lot about business truths and just in our conversation, but are there any tips or tools that you just cannot do without? Other than a camera, I'm going to go with a camera, right? <laughs> well, um, I would say my biggest tip and tool still that I'm implementing now um, which is meditation. I um, started mm. meditating uh, over a year and a half ago. I try to do it every day. It, it calms and stills the mind. Um, I'd say my next tip is that, you know, I know our um, iPhones are indispensable, but they do set up a series of chemicals in our brain that, you know, can be antithetical to creativity, even if it's as close to as my current one is now um, on my desk. So I've taken to putting my iPhone out of sight and away from me um, in order to have quality think time. Um, Another sort of business tip and tool that I think is indispensable for me, you know, is Spotify. I Mm. feel that music is one of the most powerful emotional mediums there's out there. I feel quite connected to it and I can change my mood by listening to a song instantaneously. And that inspires me. Um, Those are a few. Those are three. Yeah, those are great. Those are really great. Um, It's interesting. I was talking to CEO of a hospital about a month ago, and she said one of the practices she's adopted this year is to spend 30 to 60 minutes a day in her office. And apparently she has a lovely office. And she said, that's why I do it, because it's a lovely office. I turn everything off and I just think. And she said, there's probably no single exercise or activity that I've done in my professional career that has made such um, an impact as that has. That's inspiring to me. And I I think I need to move in that direction. I actually read that uh, Thomas Edison did it for four to six hours a day. Wow. That's a lot. Four to six hours. Can you imagine? I I don't know that I, I was thinking 30 minutes would be a pretty big accomplishment. Four to six hours would be. Yeah. And Warren Buffett's another guy who says that too. You know, he, he really thinks the most important thing is to think. But, you know, if you think that Thomas Edison invented the phone, I wonder what we think about uh, the way we have 
taken that tool and uh, turned it into something even more. Exactly. Right. And we have to sometimes be reminded that it's actually a phone <laughs> too. Right. Every once in a while, I'll say to my children, that is a phone. You could call me. I don't know. And Just a thought. If you want to get snarky, you can say it's a two-way instrument of communication. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's, it is kind of funny. So as you um, think about the tools that you use, so the meditation and the Spotify and the music that kind of all go together, are, do you, are you somebody who can easily swap one tool out for another, or do you get kind of set in your ways about the tools that you use? I mean, the ones you've chosen are good ones, so you want to keep that practice. Well, I think the only one I didn't mention, which is, incredibly low tech is I have uh, a journal and I write, try to write something in that every day. Um, and I try to start with gratitude. I try to write three things that I'm grateful for every day. Um, you know, we live in such a, a rich environment time. We can focus on the negative or we can focus on the positive. And, you know, I have a roof over my head. I have all the food that I could possibly want. I have some money in the bank and, you know, um, I have my health and that is mm -hmm. pretty darn amazing. And sometimes just through the process of writing those three things that I feel inspired about that day just makes me realize how lucky I am. And, and some of the stuff is smaller, you know, so much smaller. Well, and you know, I think it's really interesting. I've read, a lot because I'm very fascinated by creative people and creative thinking and, and it's really a process, right? S being creative and how you are creative. So you really, to me, and you might agree or disagree, I'll find out in a minute, but you really do need to have pieces in place in your life or how you go about your day or activities to continually be creative and inspired. Absolutely. I totally agree. And, and that you start to realize that the more that it's a routine and you don't have to think about it, you know, you know, I do my meditation, I write in my journal, I do some spiritual reading. That is my routine. And that if I vary from that routine, I may not have quite as good a day as I think I could. And so those routines are part of creativity. Um, and frankly, I kind of think business is really one of the, great creative, you know, playgrounds, being a CEO and also being a filmmaker. That's great. This is really, really great. Vern, how do people find you? Well, it's pretty simple. I have a production company, tribepictures.com. Or if you want to learn more about the book and some of the online training resources, there's vernoakley.com, where we have over 50 videos with some lessons there. Uh, and you can really help yourself understand what the journey might be if you want to go on camera to being more authentic. Perfect. And we'll put those all in the show notes. So there'll be links. And certainly Vern is on LinkedIn as well. I would be remiss, right? I continually say that at the end of these podcasts, I would be remiss if I didn't say that you can find and connect with Vern on LinkedIn. And Colleen, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that you had been such a great coach in helping me learn how to use this great technology. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to have you on with us today. I have learned so much. I have taken three pages of notes. And um, so I know that everybody that's listening will have incredible value from this podcast as well. So thank you so much. Great to chat with you. And that's all for Indispensable. Thanks for joining us. We hope to catch you on our next episode. Grab our show notes. 
review them, check out the links included, and head over to interoadvisory.com to learn more about the work that we do in our community and with our clients. 